what is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the long-awaited next episode of Ant and Big Red vs. the World. Yes, that's right. I still remember how to do this. Uh, as always, I am Big Red. And if I remember correctly, I'm still average yet. And we got a great episode for you today. It's it's, it's been exciting. Um, in the NBA, the playoffs in general have been exciting this year, and we witnessed another upset, and the Raptors charged their way into the NBA Finals, and so, of course, we got an NBA Finals preview for you, um, and I'll let you tell a little bit deeper into all we're doing, but it's all about the NBA today. Yeah, I mean, specifically just one matchup, too. Um, I guess before we kind of get into it, I guess it's good to be back. We were kind of out almost a, almost a month. We were out of commission for a little bit. Uh, things just got a little busy, you know what I'm saying? Um, Big Red and I are both two pretty busy individuals, so um, kind of slipped our mind to kind of do this, but it's good to be back. Um, obviously, we love doing this, or else we wouldn't be here doing it. So uh, with that said, uh, like mentioned before, we got the NBA Finals preview. Uh, a lot of there's, there's a lot of interesting things going into this um, final series. I mean, a lot, definitely a lot more interesting than we've had the last three or two years with uh, pretty much who's going who's who's going to go get swept by the warriors and it's always lebron just getting swept getting swept or gentlemen swept by the warriors but um yeah so we got the raptors who actually look like to have somewhat of a chance against the warriors so we got what they've been doing good and what they need to keep doing and what that what we think they need to do um to beat the warriors of course we got some key injury updates with uh some big names in there i'm pretty sure you guys know who they are and then uh we got obviously we got some predictions coming up can't have an nba finals preview without some predictions going down and um rounding it out of course we got some honorable mentions and some big red ballers and busts and with that, it's going to be a fun episode, and so we'll just jump right in. And as we have now both mentioned multiple times, it is the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors in this year's edition of the NBA Finals. Um, and so, I mean, one half of the playoffs was still kind of right. Who's going to end up <laughs> facing the Warriors in the Finals? As Ant mentioned, the, the Raptors seem like they kind of got a chance. Uh, I mean, even in our Who's Got a Chance to Beat the Warriors episode, several weeks and weeks back uh, the Raptors were fairly high up there on our list I think we even had them above the Bucks at the time now I'll tell you one thing is the way the playoffs had gone up to this point I had moved the Bucks higher on my list and then of course you know Paul Pierce said that they were going to win so <laughs> yeah that's that's where you're wrong kiddo <laughs> uh but yeah so the Raptors definitely have had an exciting playoff run um and of course the claw Kawhi, the most loved man that's going to leave Toronto, I mean the most loved man in Toronto, um, <laughs> has brought the Raptors to their first NBA Finals appearance, and it, it at the very least it should make for an exciting matchup. Uh, again, I, I, me personally, I don't know if anybody's got the firepower to actually take down the Warriors, but the Raptors have scratched and clawed their way to get here, um, been disappointed year in and year out, but they're finally here, they're on the biggest stage, and anything can happen when we get there so i mean i mean what's kind of your first initial thoughts Ant? um my first initial thoughts i mean there's no one else that uh, facing the warriors other than Kawhi. i mean 
you look at Giannis, and I mean, he's the Greek freak, now known as Giannis, the Greek god of basketball. But, you know, he's he's young, you know, the way he plays and stuff, um, just crashing the paint. You know, that's not going to work against the Warriors, at least as of now. Um, so it's always been kind of, we want we wanted Kawhi coming out of the East, uh, Kawhi and Co. I guess now he's got he's got some backup now now these days. Uh, it wasn't looking like it a few weeks ago, but he's got him now. But um, yeah, I mean it's good. Was Cam was on here? Cam Martin, uh, former roommate. He was on here a while. He was on here a couple weeks ago when we did that. Uh, who's got the best shot at the Warriors? Whatever. Um, and he was on here talking about just blowing smoke up Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? Uh, He's a huge Kawhi fan, so I know he's happy. Um, he definitely kind of put me on, not necessarily the Kawhi wave, but the standing Kawhi wave, I'd, I'd say definitely put me on too. So, I mean, it's good to see him here. Um, it's been a few years. Obviously, the last time he was here was 2014 when the Spurs just mopped the floor at the Heat. So, I mean, it's it's going to be good to see Kawhi back in the finals. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I I mean, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um Shout out Killicam as well. Uh, Kawhi, I mean, it was a shoot I talked about on Big Red's Banchers. Giannis in the regular season stepped up as the best two-way player in the league, this, that, whatever. Kawhi showed up to the playoffs and was like, yeah, you got a little bit to go, Chief. You're good, <laughs> you're good, but you got a little bit to go. Um, Kawhi has been the best player in the playoffs, hands down, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, you have Steph Curry doing what he's doing for the Warriors, but I no one has picked up their team and carried them on the like LeBron style level uh, in these LeBronless playoffs better than Kawhi has. I mean, Ant, you even mentioned it, the Kawhi and Co. Now, and like you said a few weeks ago, that bench was looking bad. It was it wasn't things weren't looking great for the <laughs> Raptors, um, but they rallied and the bench showed up a little bit. You know, I mean, you put some names, put some put some names to some nameless faces in that Raptors. Uh, supporting cast but Kawhi has absolutely been the best player in the playoffs and you see the Raptors in the NBA finals because of it and so it's going to make for an exciting matchups especially like you said good to see Kawhi back in the finals it's also exciting to see Kawhi facing off against the Warriors again uh just in I mean obviously he was a spur last time before the all the drama of where I mean you look at it now and it's almost like Kawhi just really did not want to play for the Spurs for whatever reason, because he stepped right back into his MVP caliber form. And, you know, now maybe we get the chance to see some Zaza revenge. Uh, I mean, I think we can all remember the Spurs showing up and blowing out the Warriors pre-Zaza hurting Kawhi, and everyone just kind of being like, what? Or at least I was. I, I, <laughs> I was I was shocked. Uh, and now we get to kind of see it again, and I arguably, arguably it's with a better team than Kawhi had with the Spurs. And Part of having a better team than he had before is that supporting cast showing up, and we saw it in the Bucks series. I, I mean, I we even talked about it. I think on a, our mid-round check-in, probably on our last episode, where we talked about how much the Raptors bench was struggling, and Van Vliet was doing nothing. Kyle Lowry was being typical playoff Kyle Lowry. Um, that's not that wasn't the case. Um, as the Raptors even the series against the Bucks, and then came all the way back to win. You had. Several dudes on the bench stepping up. I mean, Marcus Saul is not going to give you a ton of quality minutes, but he stepped up and filled a solid role in that second unit. And then they also had Fred Van Vliet, the man who had a child born last Monday and then decided 
that he was going to go supernova from beyond the arc. This man is 14 of 17. Honestly, right now, I'm okay if you turn off this episode and go look up Fred VanVleet's highlights against the Bucks because they're fun to watch. They are just fun to watch him pulling up from basically wherever he feels like and hitting from anywhere. And and that was a huge, huge factor in the Raptors being able to come back and take down the Bucks, and I mean just their bench in general that was struggling before has shown to be a respectable unit not quite on the level of the regular season where I think we all looked at the Raptors and were like wow maybe them and the Bucks are the only teams that have supporting casts that good and it was they vanished for the first half of the playoffs they showed up right when it matters and now Kawhi needs that bench and he needs those other scoring options more than ever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, speaking on Fred Van Vliet, um, that jump, that jumper's looking solid. Uh, like, you, you know, it's different. Like when you could just look at a jump shot and be like, "Yeah, that's going in." Like you don't got you don't have to watch the the ball actually go in when you just see like the pure form and just how smooth it comes out of his hand. That's that's how he's looking right now. And I mean, that's that's dangerous. I mean, um, like we see it all the time with Steph Curry, and I mean, obviously. Not, I'm not comparing apples to oranges here, but uh, when when you have a shooter that can just bury the ball from deep, I mean that's that's really what you need. And I mean, speak like just touching on the whole cast in general. I mean they're pretty much MIA up until game three, game four of the Bucks Raptor series, pretty much. Um, with Fred, Fred Van Vliet having a son, all that uh, he wanted he wanted to put a good example out for for the children. So um, he came out, he's balling. Kyle Lowry, um, I, I feel like something clicked with him where he's kind of realizing that, like, a lot of pressure I feel like he was facing um, in the last couple of years was self-induced um, with him being the second option on a what was supposed to be a championship-caliber team with him and DeMar DeRozan. I feel like now he's kind of eased into the role of the third option, more playmaking than uh, scoring and all that. So he's able to kind of relax and uh, get good shots. Um, he actually looks a lot, lot more confident than he has ever looked in the playoffs. I mean, even on times where he doesn't score the ball, he's just driving with tenacity and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's always good to see from dudes, that, especially like Kyle Lowry, who have that history of not showing up in big moments. Um, I guess kind of... Touching on that, the supporting cast, I'll kind of throw in something that the Raptors actually need to do better. And this is probably the biggest piece of the supporting cast, which is Nick Nurse, um, head coach, for those that don't know. Um, I think Nick Nurse needs to get a little more creative with um, his game plan. I mean, a lot of it is, here, Kwai, take the ball, ISO. Um, if you don't get a bucket, kick it out to someone to shoot it. And I mean, while while that's gonna that can work against the 76ers and it can work against the Bucks, it's not gonna work with the Warriors who have dudes like Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, KD if he comes back, who are all elite talent defenders. That that's just not gonna work. So I, I'm looking at Nick Nurse. I mean, with the way that Fred Van Vliet's playing and the way Kyle Lowry is playing, I'm looking at him to try to get some more like off-ball action going, um, lots of screens, kind of try to replicate what the Warriors do. Obviously, you can't really do what they do, but just try to get some more off-ball type stuff with them. And um, something else that he needs that Nick Nurse needs to do is encourage Marcus Hall to shoot a little more. Um, watching the Bucks series, there are a lot of moments where Marcus Hall had a wide-open look from three that he didn't take. Um, I mean, he's shooting at a good clip. So, 
I don't know why he's not taking them. I mean, just trying to play make, I guess. But, I mean, if you're a seven-footer who can shoot, especially against a team like Golden State where your minutes are going to be limited, definitely, um, you need to you need to encourage him to shoot for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just a little, just uh, speaking a little more on that, mainly on the defensive talent that you mentioned of the Warriors. I I complained to my last breath about the Rockets <laughs> not creating any offensive creativity. And and you literally you watched that whole series. And you just saw the Warriors smother the Rockets shooters, Harden, CP3, Eric Gordon. And with that much length on one squad, whether or not KD comes back, you're still looking at big, elite, lengthy defenders like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, uh, even big bodies like Sean Livingston. And I, that amount of length will smother an offense that doesn't have creativity, that doesn't move the ball around. And we, we've seen the Warriors do it to every, every team they faced. And so, I mean, up to this point, yeah, Kawhi's been able to carry. Yeah, Kawhi's been able to carry and do that. And like you said, it works against the Bucks. It works against the 76ers. It's not going to work on a dynasty against a dynasty-level squad like the Golden State Warriors that have not only that much defense, but almost every single one of those guys can shoot the lights out, too. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to write home about Andre Iguodala's jump shot, but he's shooting around 40% for the playoffs, which is very upsetting for me as a Rockets fan but we're over we're <laughs> yeah. past that Andre uh, he, was out, he was out here hitting daggers against the Rockets dude, dude he shot like 44% against the Rockets dude I was I, I was lost but moving on I, I think that the Raptors defense is actually a little better than the Rockets I think that this is the best team that the Warriors will have faced up to this point um, I mean Maybe not in star talent, but in terms of a whole cohesive unit and getting Nick Nurse more involved is going to be paramount if the Raptors have any chance of actually stretching this out to Game 7 and maybe stealing one with that home court advantage. Um, so I guess kind of moving on a little more, the other thing I want to touch on the Raptors is Pascal Siakam, who I think this also plays into how you mentioned that Kyle Lowry has been able to take a step back and as almost like a third option. And, and the only reason he's been able to do that is because of the rise and improvement of Pascal Siakam, who, in my opinion, was the most improved player in the league this year in the regular season. He's carried it into the playoffs, not necessarily as a game-changing elite-level talent, but he's been able to handle the second scoring role, the second option role, and maintain some levels of efficiency while also playing good defense. And so because of that, Kyle Lowry's been able to take a step back. Kawhi... I mean, Kawhi's averaging 31 points, playing almost 40 minutes a game. I, Kawhi still has to carry this squad, but as if they can get more contributions and better contributions on a whole from that staff and utilizing Nick Nurse's talents. I mean, I, I love Nick Nurse. I think he's a great coach. I don't want to see him fall prey to the Mike D'Antoni, well, they're my <laughs> superstars, I'm going to let them do whatever they want kind of fade. Uh, and I, I think that the Raptors owe it to Nick Nurse as well to be willing to play whatever style they want. I mean, Kawhi played Spurs basketball for his whole first half of his career. It's what part of what made him into the elite player that he is, elitely balanced player that he is today. And so, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Nick Nurse has got to bring some more offensive creativity to the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of building off of, like, um, Pascal Siakam and the way he's been able to step up and, 
not necessarily translate completely what he did from the regular season to the playoffs, but he's been able to translate enough to where the point, like, you can't leave him alone. He's someone that you have to defend and focus a lot of um, defensive attention to. So, I mean, even when your shots aren't going in, when you're getting doubled at the rim sometimes, that's that leaves one more guy open. And one guy that's been open, this a huge chunk of this huge chunk of this buck series is uh danny can't hit a jump shot green um i texted you i forget what game it was i think it was i think it was, it was actually six, the closeout dude. game yeah, yeah it was the game. The, this danny green missed three wide open corner threes within the first like five minutes or so of the first quarter and i um i was sick um i don't i don't i don't know how you're gonna <laughs> i don't know how you're gonna be one of the most elite shooters in the league um honestly of all time one of the most yeah he's shooting 40 percent all on his career from three and then you come into these playoffs shooting 32.5 percent from the field um and 31.4 percent from three uh that's just unacceptable to me um danny green he's arguably the biggest x factor here um i don't think there's any way the raptors are going to be able to beat the warriors with a without at least serviceable shooting from danny green uh he's has to be at the very least, around the 37, 38% clip from three, um, especially when he's going to be matched up with Clay Thompson. Obviously, the dude, he's like Danny Green, but like times 10, I guess, if you want to say. <laughs> I was going to um, say, the only thing I can better. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's Danny Green, uh, I guess, if you want to say 2.0, 2. 2. the, the ideal Danny Green. The 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you, when you matched up with the dude who, is pretty much you, but better. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to step up. And 31.4 percent from three isn't. It's that's not it. And part of that does go into Nick Nurse. I mean, Danny Green was getting open shots, but it was kind of off of like offensive rebounds and transition and stuff. So I mean, I'd like to see Nick Nurse get him uh, some open looks from three to try to get his confidence back. But I mean, uh, at some point, Danny Green's just gonna. He's he just he has to start hitting him. He's got to be able to knock down shots, and I. And quite frankly. If this storybook season for the Toronto Raptors is going to end happily ever after, I mean, this is a story of David and Goliath. I, the, the Warriors are the titans of the NBA with an elite player at every position. I, I mean, we'll get into injuries in a second, but the Warriors potentially have... I, the Warriors could potentially have six, have six, seven guys when all healthy that could be starters in the NBA, all-stars in the NBA. I mean, it's it's pretty unbelievable. And so you need to be firing on all cylinders. And Danny Green needs to be firing up shots. I mean, we Danny Green, as you mentioned, is probably the biggest X-factor. I would argue Fred VanVleet was that before he went supernova and started hitting shots again. I, Fred VanVleet is going to be a great contributor. He is obviously a huge part of their success, but Danny Green has to shoot like Danny Green of old. I, three and D players. I mean, it's kind of shown. The Clippers took a couple from the Warriors. The Clippers had a lot of three and D guys. I mean, the Clippers were very versatile and ran out a lot of different lineups and looks. And Doc Rivers is actually a pretty great coach. Um, <laughs> the Rockets, when getting as close as anybody has I, this year, they have a lot of three and D guys, and they took two. Defense was nearly as good. Whatever. I'm not getting into them. The year before, they took three loaded up with a roster of three and d guys danny green is the poster child or was the poster child for what an nba three and d player should be at this level 
he was elite. With the Spurs, at times, he was elite, played major factors in their playoff runs. I mean, obviously, he wasn't part of, like, the big three because he's a 3 and D role player. But in order to be a 3 and D role player, you have to hit the three or else you're stuck with, like, an Andre Roberson type. And (laughs) I'm sorry, Danny Green is a good defender. Andre Roberson is an elite defender, and you put up with his inability to to shoot water into the ocean because of how good of a defender he is. Danny Green is not on that level of defense anymore, and especially going up against Klay Thompson and all the other shooters the Warriors have, it doesn't really matter because uh, shooters are going to shoot, the Warriors are going to hit shots. You're not The Raptors are not going to be able to win games 90-88, to 90-86. All right. They'll be able to hold the Warriors down, because as I mentioned earlier, I think this is the best team and best defensive team that the Warriors have faced so far. But pretty much exactly like you said, if Danny Green can't hit shots, then not only is he not an he's not only is he an X factor, but he's just the negative X factor that basically gives the Raptors no chance. Because Danny Green Danny Green's been eaten up roughly just below thirty minutes per game this postseason. And as Ant mentioned, he was about to lose it. I, he texted me. He, he straight up texted me. He was like, if this bum Danny Green misses another corner three. And it's true. I, eating up that much time on an elite squad that is supposed to challenge this Goliath. I, I mean, David showed up with a with a little slingshot catapult, whatever it was, uh, throwing rocks. Showing up without Danny Green playing at his peak 3 and D level would be like showing up to fight Goliath with, like, safety scissors. You know, <laughs> you know I, it, essentially what I'm saying, as on a whole, regardless of the amount of adjustments and things the Raptors need to do well, in order to beat Goliath, the Raptors have to be firing on all cylinders, which means everyone in their, every one of their supporting role players has to come in and give it all every night. They don't have to light it up, because that's what Kawhi is there to do, is to carry the bigger haul while the rest of his role players can just kind of keep him above water, basically. And if really, if anybody falls really flat in this series, the Warriors are going to absolutely dominate because they just have too much talent, too much talent to not take advantage of the Raptors' shortcomings. Yeah, and I mean, the kind of like double-edged sword that Danny Green is right now, um, even though he's shooting horrendously, you can't really take him out. Um because of his defense and length, and also because really anybody else that you're going to put it take give his minutes to is going to end up being a liability. Um, Van Vliet, as good as he's been, he's he'll, he's going to get torched by the Warriors' offense. Yep. He's, I mean, like I said, as great as he's been, he's played his role as perfectly as you can play it, and that's what he's going to need to do. You can't really give him more minutes than what he's already getting, um, especially taking him from a dude like Danny Green who has the length and defense. Um, you can't really give it to Norman Powell, who is questionable, who has a questionable jump shot himself, but isn't as good at defense either. Um, at least when Danny Green's out on the floor, he's at least spacing it. Even though he's not hitting his shots, he's at least creating some sort of space. So, I mean, it's just not really a good situation having your best shooter not being able to shoot. Um, but I guess kind of moving on, um, talking about 3 and D, that kind of brings me to the last kind of thing that the Raptors need to do, which is defend the three-point shot better. Um, the Bucks did only shoot 31% in the series from three, but the thing is they missed a ton of wide-open threes. Um, it was 
don't know, it's kind of weird to see the Raptors kind of leave them open so often, especially with dudes like Ersani Lesova, Nikola Mirotic, dudes like that. Um, the difference between the Bucks and the Warriors, though, is if you leave the Warriors open for that many threes, they're going to make them. Um, like I said, Ilyasova and Miritich, they're not Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Or, yeah, they're not Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. <laughs> Steph and Clay, they're going to hit those shots. Even Andre Iguodala is going to hit those shots. We saw that. He saw that in the Rocket series. He's he stepped up. He he's not going to shoot the lights out, but he'll hit the threes that matter. I mean, Draymond Green was even out here hitting dagger threes every now and then in, in this playoff run. So I mean, the, the the Bucks just needed or the Bucks the Raptors just need to be a little bit more tighter on rotations and closing out on threes. Well, absolutely, and I think that kind of feeds into more just how I mentioned being on full like. Yeah, running full cylinders. Uh, you got to be firing on all cylinders, and uh, defense is a huge part of that. The Raptors, part of the biggest part of their game is having the claw as your focal point, who is amazing offensively and defensively. And yeah, Danny Green is handcuffed into that lineup because of his ability and length as a defender. Everyone else has to step up as well. Kawhi has to play on a level that we've seen before. But on both ends, consistently all night, uh, Kyle Lowry has to has to put a body in front of Steph Curry, make make it tough for him. I mean, Curry's been balling since KD went down, but got to put a body in front of him. Clay Thompson's going to hit open shots. Andre Iguodala has now proven he's going to hit open shots. Draymond Green, who earlier in this playoffs went like twenty, uh, he missed like twenty threes in a row or something, some some whack. He was struggling. He hit big time shots against. The Rockets, the Blazers. I, every one of the dudes on the Warriors can ball, can shoot, and can shoot from almost anywhere. And so, I mean, yeah, three point. The three point shots got to be better defended. The Bucks hoisted up a lot of threes, but again, Miritich, Middleton, uh, Ilyasova, I, they are not Clay, Steph. Eventually, maybe KD. I. It, it, it seems silly that we have to just kind of repetitively talk about how good the all-star team is, the West all-star <laughs> team is, but yeah, I mean, it, it's true. We're faced with a situation where a lot of people actually believe the Raptors might have a chance, but I'd, at, at any time when you're playing the best team and the best team of this generation, I everything has to go right, and that starts with the way that you show up to play defense and the way that you run your offense, and Nick Nurse has to be there. The defense has to be there. Uh, the offense has to be there. And, and so, I mean, with all that said, the positives, I guess, for the Raptors is KD will miss at least one game. Um, now, despite the fact that the Warriors are 34 or 31-4, and four, excuse me, 34-4, and four, without KD is I yeah that plays a factor uh, because the Warriors are able to run and ball out at their offensive pace that won them 73 games back in the day back in the pre-KD days um, but the fact is regardless of whatever record may say whatever this that and stats and whatever the Warriors are not a worse team with KD and just like the Rockets failed to do missing KD for a game and a half. The Raptors, if they want any chance in this series, have to at least at least take the game or t- couple games that KD is not there. Or else, when KD shows back up, 
he's going to go alpha mode where he was averaging 35 points a game all the way up until he got hurt in these playoffs. And it's going to be tough because KD, KD basically gives the Warriors multiple Kawhi Leonard level players. I mean, with, with KD, with Steph, with all these X factor players, Kawhi is not going to be able to keep up with them. You can't, honestly expect Pascal Siakam to catch up with him, and we just discussed how Kyle Lowry is best fitted as a third option. And so with that, uh, the Raptors, they got to get it done early. They got the home cooking. They got to get it done before the injury bug spells for the Warriors. And I mean, I guess Ant, if you got any anything else to say or else maybe you can kind of jump into our injury update. Yeah, the, I guess the only thing I'll kind of say is that it's pretty funny that, uh, uh, like you mentioned, um, we're kind of just pretty much having a Warriors party, I guess, just talking about everything they do amazing and, and just it's hard not uh, to. over over here on the talking about the Raptors, like they have all these holes and stuff. It's 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 just silly that it's really the Warriors. It's just as simple as just do what you've been doing the last three years and you'll be okay. You might you might <laughs> lose a game or two, but. You'll be you'll you'll win the you'll win the championship, but uh, with that with that being said, uh, yeah, we'll get into the, some injury updates. Um, we got I think it's well, there's only three uh, in the series, which uh, when you say only three, it's a it's it's soft on the word only because these are some big names here. So I guess um, first we'll we'll get into Boogie Cousins. Um, he's listed as of a few hours ago. He was questionable for game one. Um, so I guess this is kind of an indication that we'll see him at some point during this series, at least since he's questionable. Um, I guess, so my really only question with Boogie is how are the Warriors going to integrate him into their offense? And what do, if you're the Warriors, do you even want to try to try to do that? I, I, I mean, that's, that's my initial thoughts too. I mean, you, you think about it and obviously you think of, I mean, the first, my first thought when you think of Boogie Cousins is, Oh, one of the best centers in the league. Boogie's dealt with injuries the last couple of years. Boogie's integration to the Warriors in the first place was still arguably questionable as he was working his way back from the Achilles and all this and that. So, I mean, to me, I, to me I'm playing Boogie minimal minutes. I, you're not paying him a lot. At five to t- ten minutes a game, give him, like, the honorary start. Um and then you put them to the side because the Warriors have been playing with the Hamptons five lineup, the small ball lineup, all playoffs. It's been their most successful. It's been the most successful in the Warriors dynasty. And uh, so to me at this point, yeah, Boogie Boogie was another risk in free agency that they went out and, you know, I mean, he w- obviously didn't make the Warriors significantly worse. But at this stage, in this stage of the game, I, I'm not taking any risks in playing a guy, in playing the only guy in the last four years that has had any trouble at all integrating into the Warriors' offensive system and just system in general. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why the best center that has been on the, this Warriors dynasty is JaVale McGee. I mean, no, dis- no disrespect to the man because JaVale McGee has definitely found his uh, role in the NBA as a really good rim protector. Um, he'll he'll go up and get some lobs and all that, but I mean, he's he's not. He's not anywhere close to the top five centers in the league. Um, and before Boogie went down, he was clear-cut number one center in the league. Because um, I guess that was before a- AD was out there playing center. So uh, that crown now belongs to AD, but uh, that's a different discussion. Um, but what 
why AD or Boogie was the best center in the league, but he was the best center in the league in a different way than what the Warriors play. I mean, like you said, they go small ball a lot of the times. That's really what made their team as good as it was when they back when they won seventy three games um, in a season was their free flowing. They got their tallest dude on the court is six eight six nine, um, but the shortest is is like is Steph Curry at six three. So it's just an all a, a balanced type of offense, which Boogie, who is, I mean, he's not slow, but he's not gonna run up and down the court, um, and do all this stuff that a dude like Draymond can do when he's playing the five. So I don't, I I agree completely with you. Um, if I'm the Warriors, you obviously kind of have to play him if he's healthy. Uh, give him the honorary start, maybe give him Andrew Bogut's minutes, um, but. Now, if you're the Warriors, I'd try to keep him off of, off the floor as, for as much time as you possibly can, unless something catastrophic happens. Yeah, just keep Boogie playing Bogut minutes, dude. That's the slogan. When Boogie yeah, comes for back, sure. Boogie playing Bogut minutes. <laughs> yeah, you hate to see it, dude. Boogie, Boogie, once upon a time, was my favorite player when he was with the Kings. But uh, once, once upon a time, maybe you shouldn't have gone to the Warriors, but whatever. Yeah, uh, that's, 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 that's a different discussion. <laughs> Uh, to the next next injury, um, OG Ananobi, uh, probably the most, or not probably, he is the most low-key injury of the three that we have. Um, definitely a dude that has barely been talked about in these playoffs for good reason. I mean, he's been out since April 9th, um, but he's listed as out for game one. But he could possibly return at some point in the finals, but the Raptors are cautiously optimistic. Um, he'd obviously be on limited minutes if he came back, but what I do like about it if he does come back is this gives the Raptors a possible lineup of Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, OG Ananobi, Kawhi, Lan- Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam for a kind of small ball lineup to combat what the Warriors run. And all five of those guys are really good on defense. Um, that's it. Or right now, anyway. There's two that can take over a game, maybe. One being Kyle Lowry, who he could, he could hit an open jump shot, and then Danny Green um we're praying he gets his jump shot back and then og um he's he's gonna give you some really 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 solid defense so i mean that's something i'm hoping for um like i said if he does come back it's gonna be on limited minutes but those limited minutes can make a huge difference yeah absolutely and i mean i honestly i really like that you brought up that lineup combination and i mean og on a newbie uh he's he's not like necessarily an x-factor that can take over a game on offense by any means but it's another dude with length. It's another dude that can play good defense. And just like you said of the importance of stopping the three-point shot for the Warriors, the best way to do that is get length and get hands up and get hands in guys' faces. And matching, being able to match a small ball lineup with that quality of defenders is probably the biggest X factor of the entire series as a whole. And so, yeah, I mean, I... I hope he's able to come back, and regardless if it's in a limited capacity or not, he's still going to be able to, like you said, give give the Raptors quality minutes. I mean, he's going to like, own a newbie. Is a dude. He's a grinder. He he's a grinder straight up. Like honestly, like I think a lot of the Raptors are. Like Siakam was, and I, Siakam kind of broke out this year. But at at the very least, I'm excited for the defensive potential of a lineup like that. Yeah, I mean, OG, he was on LeBron for. A lot of the possessions last year, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I, I will say I feel like he had a lot better year last year. I yeah. think I think he kind of 
you know, it was a one step forward and then kind of a half step back, I guess. Um, but no, he absolutely has has the skill set to guard any player. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about defense is it doesn't go away until you get old, and he's <laughs> definitely he's definitely not old. Um, but I guess moving into uh, the biggest injury, definitely um, of this series, is obviously Kevin Durant, who is officially ruled out for Game One, but is traveling with the Golden State Warriors to Toronto. So to me, this kind of Looks like he's probably going to at least suit up for game two. Uh, maybe play 20, 25 minutes, something like that in game two if he does play. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with this injury and stuff. Um, I guess my the kind of first question that we can kind of build off of is, um, do, you, do you rush him back if you're the Warriors, or do you kind of just see how the first game goes, if that goes good, see how the second game goes? And then if he's good by game three, throw him in game three on some sort of minutes restriction. Honestly, I mean, I, so this is the luxury that the Warriors again have that no other team in the NBA would ever have is having argue like a top three player in the world come back whenever he feels like it. I mean, it, it quite honestly, if I'm the Warriors, I'm just looking at KD. I'm like, look, man, we all know you want to be out there. Do you feel good enough to be out there? If if you if you are great, we'll play you. Whatever you feel like you can play. If not, that's cool. We'll probably win anyway. <laughs> like I mean, it's <laughs> I, the on, my only concern at all does go back a little bit to that the idea of the Warriors possibly being a better team without KD. And I mean, quite frankly, they're not. You are not a better team without one of the best players in the world. But the Warriors run free-flowing. Steph Curry is the engine that makes them go. And as long as Curry is healthy, there's... I mean, at least if I'm the Warriors, I'm not worried about losing this series. I'm not worried about blowing it. And just getting KD back is... I mean, it's just... It's padding. It's, it's, it's extra. It's great. If we get KD back, we're winning this series no matter what. We're probably we're going to win anyway, I, and so I, to be honest, I think you bring KD back slow as slow as he wants to come back, as or as fast as he wants to come back. I mean it, because to me, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter, at least in my opinion. And I mean, you can you can predict my prediction at this point, but I mean it, the Warriors are going to be a lethal team regardless. Obviously, if you get KD back, you have that next level factor. And if he feels good enough to do it, great. Throw him out there for 20, 30 minutes if that's what he can handle. And if not, maybe maybe a minutes restriction like you mentioned, where, I mean, he stays around 20 minutes a game. It's still 20 minutes of KD. Uh, and I, my only concern at all is maybe there's some kind of chemistry input or some kind of chemistry issue as you work back in an ISO-heavy guy like KD and maybe it affects the free-flowing offense that the Warriors like to run without him. But, I mean, either way, man, it's adding KD. I, you really, you're adding KD to the Golden State Warriors. You really can't screw it up. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, the luxury of the Warriors, um, when you have top three player in the league and it's, well, you, you can come back when you're ready. <laughs> that, that, must, that must be really nice. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much agree with you. I'm on board with that. I mean, KD kind of just changes it from the Warriors. Like 
winning in six or seven to winning in five or six, honestly, at this point, which um, as unfortunate as it is, um, that's the reality of it pretty much. Um, like you said, you could probably predict your prediction. We're out here predicting predictions on this show. Uh, <laughs> can't, can't, uh, can't have too many predictions on here. Um, but finals preview, man. It's all the predictions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in the strange twist that, uh, I mean, cause Katie has missed a lot more time than I was anticipating. I mean, when he first went down, um, it was looking like he probably would have, would make it back sometime in the trailblazer series. I mean, Obviously, that series was cut short, only going four games. So, I mean, there was really no need to have him try to rush back or anything. But, I mean, the reports were pretty much saying that he'd be good by the finals, and now it's game one and he's out. Um, game two looking questionable. So, but if in the chance, in the circumstance that the Raptors get to face the Warriors without KD, um, but what does anything really change in your eyes, really? So, yes and no. Um, yes, because obviously having KD makes the Warriors a better team. So in theory, the Raptors have a better chance if KD sits out. I think the real concerning thing is the fact that KD's health has been just so kind of clouded. I mean, we all we expected him okay back in the blazer series okay they got swept whatever even if he might have come back they probably weren't going to bring him back because they're up 3-0 whatever they swept him oh great extra time to rest that sucks for the raptors or bucks because kd's probably gonna be healthy now we're here he's still not playing you are semi-worried about his full health and whether you know i mean it's it it is a cloud but again it's it's a luxury that no other team has is wait, your best player waiting in the wings to add to your all-star team. Like, I mean, I'd, if KD... If KD doesn't come back, I could see the Raptors taking two games, especially having home court advantage. So I guess that is where that difference is and where my prediction comes in. I still see them losing, but four games to two with KD coming back in game two or three, if the Raptors can't take KD's first game back, where the Warriors might be dealing with some kind of reintegration issues, they're going to lose in, in five. Just straight up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Um, I think if the Raptors are able to play a whole series without KD, I think it definitely makes the series a little more interesting. Because um, in my eyes, the Raptors look like probably the only team we've seen um since i guess obviously the the cavaliers beat the warriors in the finals but i mean <laughs> um like since the warriors run began that looks like a team that is built defensively that can defend them um especially like i guess this is kind of like if og comes back if nick nurse is able to balance the minutes between Serge Ibaka and marcus saw really well have marcus yeah. saw on the floor like the, the same at the same like time as on all yeah, yeah. If Nick if Nick Nurse if Nick Nurse has uh if he's able to have Marcus All play his good minutes um while Andrew Bogut's on the floor. I mean you don't want Marcus All on the floor unless Andrew Bogut's out there. Um just straight up. So if if Nick Nurse can manage that and OG is able to come back, um the Raptors do have a chance in that situation. Um there's definitely more pressure on Steph and Clay. I mean Steph has been out of this world in these playoffs. If if it wasn't for Kawhi, all this hype 
that we're giving quiet beyond Steph, of course, because um, he's been playing out of his mind. And uh, they're two they're two dudes who have crazy playoff stats um, just throughout their careers. But I mean, they have had single game outdowns. I mean, and that could be huge and shifting momentum in a series. Um, obviously, too, without KD, the Raptors are allowed to make a little bit more mistakes. But I mean, I don't know with the with the way the Warriors are ran. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, it's not looking good for the Raptors either way with or without KD. No, it's definitely not. But I do 100% agree with you. Not having... I, so to me, KD is a guy that no matter who's on him, wherever he's at, KD's always going... He will always have the ability to get his shot, to get his yeah. luck. And now you can play the best defense in the world. Kawhi Leonard can play the best defense in the world on KD, and KD can still hit a shot in his face. Not having that, like you said, gives the Raptors a much Oh, and I'm not even going to say much. Gives the Raptors a slightly bigger margin for error, but that margin for error is still very thin. And I really, as just NBA fans, we kind of got to sit here and hope for you know a meltdown game or a momentum game for either Steph or Kawhi, and have somebody take momentum early. And if it's the Raptors with home court advantage, then we should be in for a really home, really fun series and probably crossing our fingers that Kawhi misses or not Kawhi KD misses a few extra games yeah I mean kind of I guess with all that being said we'll kind of get into the spoiled predictions that we have um I get like you said I could probably could have predicted the predictions about 10 minutes ago um but yes I'll (laughs) get mine I got Warriors in six um I mean as unfortunate as it is the dynasty will more than likely reign um Kawhi can't single-handedly beat the Warriors in the seven game series um championship blood is a real thing and um there's just plain not enough offense on the Raptors for them to win in a seven game series and uh, absolutely uh I my prediction Warriors win in five uh Raptors have home court i in this prediction scenario, KD comes back in Game 2. The Raptors steal Game 2 after losing Game 1 on their home court. they got to step up. They can't just get they can't get swept on their home court in the first couple of games here. KD's coming back. He's getting reintegrated. Maybe even Boogie's back too, and that's a whole mess of awkwardness for the Warriors in, at, right at the beginning of this series. So, I mean, in this scenario, KD's back in Game 2. Raptors pull that one out, but then ultimately fall... And the next two at home are on the road to the Warriors. And at that point, you're down 3-1 to a team that's now reintegrated Kawhi or KD. I'm mixing up Kawhi and KD. <laughs> Too many Ks. You know, I've <laughs> but either way. Uh, throw, throw in Clay Thompson and oh, uh, gosh. see if we can get some more Ks in there. <sighs> no, we'll avoid all. <laughs> I'll, avoid the, I'll avoid the Ks unless I'm at a Mariners game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I... Warriors in five for me, um, hoping they're going to be close games, um, kind of like the uh, the Rockets-Warriors series was, where maybe not every game being decided by six points, but every one of those games was engaging to watch because either team had a chance to pull it out. So even if the Warriors ultimately end up taking it in five or six, I would still like to see the Raptors put up a good fight in every game and let us feel like Kawhi or somebody could hit a clutch shot at any time and put the Raptors right in it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I expect that at least out of the Raptors. I mean, they're obviously not a team that's just going to fold, especially being led by Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's, he, you can't fold him. He's a hundred percent steal 
uh, going to take some pretty strong hands to fold that. So, I mean, um, I guess kind of with our finals preview all set in stone, uh, do you have anything left for um, any sort of finals preview? Uh, I mean, I think that's all I got for the finals. I mean, I'm ready to jump into a couple big red baller and busts here if, if you are. All right, for sure. I guess I'll I'll throw in an honorable mention real quick because uh, um, we got some comedy coming up with the bus and uh, ballers real quick. Um, but honorable mention, Juwan Howard uh, getting the head coaching job at University of Michigan uh, basketball, of course. Um, if you guys don't know yet, I'm a University of Michigan fan uh, through all sports, mainly mainly support football and basketball. But I mean, of course, I got love for baseball, softball, all that good stuff. But um, I don't know. I'm always, I've always been kind of skeptical of first year coaches, but I mean, D- Juwan Howard, um, I feel like he's, I feel like he's born to be a coach. I mean, the way he, he kind of <laughs> was like the role he played in Miami and all that, um, during that run, I mean, he, he just looks like a coach. So, I mean, um, we kind of saw how like bringing Jim Harbaugh back kind of panned out, um, not the best, but the good thing is with Michigan, they already have a great program built up. They're kind of the tier B in the tier B class of college basketball, not with like the Virginias and Villanovas and North Carolinas of the world. Um, they're kind of in the conversation of, yeah, they might be able to win a championship. They can get there like they have in the last, they got their last year and in 2013, I believe. Um, obviously lost, but, uh, as unfortunate as that is, but maybe this, this puts them over the hump. I mean, uh, Penny Hardaway and Memphis has been really good for them. Uh, they're, they just brought in one of the best classes in the country. So, um, I'm hoping for some similar success with John Howard at the helm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good thing to keep an eye on when we get back around to, you know, the main focus being college sports again. And <laughs> of course, as a Michigan fan yourself, you know, I mean, you want to see him do well. You want to get excited at the very least it's hope for opportunity. And like you said, they already have a pretty solid program, and so maybe you can't take him to that next level. Um, and so, yeah. So I guess I'll move on into Big Red's ballers and busts. And, I mean, my first one, it's I, I have it as a baller. I Honestly, I have no idea how to categorize it because ultimately <laughs> it, it fell upon because of one of the biggest busts in NBA history. And it's the Rockets blowing it up. Or at least Daryl Morey saying that we're ready to blow it up or willing to blow it up and this and that. And so, yeah, it's a bust in the sense of the Rockets never lived up to the hype of being the team built to beat the Warriors. Yeah, it's a bust because Chris Paul has a massive contract. Yeah, it's this and that. But to me, it's a baller move because Daryl Morey immediately realized the mistake he made with Chris Paul and giving him that massive deal. And saying, okay, this didn't work. We got two years, put together two of the best teams in Rockets history. Still wasn't good enough to beat the Warriors. What do we need to do? Something's got to change. Something drastic has to be done. And so it's a baller for me because I believe in Daryl Morey and his general managerial skills. Um, The fact that he said Harden was available, uh, obviously it tears me up a little bit, but... uh, (laughs) No, that, that was just a flex. It, it had to be, right? I, either way, it's a baller because he's trying to dump off Chris Paul's contract. I told Ant this morning I would literally take anything. He said second rounder. I said, I, 
I, I mean, I, I think I jokingly said CP3 for Ben Simmons, but I mean, he said second rounder, and I was like, whoa, at least we'd be getting something. I mean, I'm more expecting him to have to ship off Clint Capella with Chris Paul just to get him out and get that contract somewhere else. But either way, to me, it's a baller because the idea, just kind of like the Mariners did last year, ditching Cano's contract was we got to get rid of Chris Paul's contract or else we're going to waste James Harden's last few years of his prime. And with $40 million to Chris Paul. Who I don't get me wrong, I'm not being a CP3 hater. The dude had the worst year of his career last year. At he's aging. I do like Chris Paul. I still like Chris Paul. I think he's a great player. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I love Chris Paul. This old version of Chris Paul is not good enough to beat the Warriors, and it's not a good enough compliment to anything to beat the Warriors. And so, it, it's a baller. It's a baller move in the sense of just being able to. Kind of sack up and take a risk, I guess. You know, I, the Raptors did it. The Raptors did it last year. They dumped off their franchise player in DeMar for Kawhi. Now I don't know how the Rockets plan to turn a wizard move and turn Chris Paul's albatross contract into something that could beat the Warriors. But if anybody can do it, Daryl Morey can do it. And so, I mean, all jokes aside, RIP the Rockets squad, the... The Warriors, the Warriors, the team designed to beat the Warriors that never could. Um, kind of like a failed book of the little engine that could. Um, <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's going to be, should be a fun off season, assuming James Harden doesn't get traded and then I have to probably pick a new team. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm a Rockets, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in it for Red Nation all the way now. You know, I even got the nickname Big Red. Uh, so, at the very least, that'll be fun to watch and see how the Rockets blow it up, whether they do it gracefully or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You hate to see it, kind of. Um, like Daryl Morey kind of messed up, giving CP3 that Supermax. I mean, he didn't kind of mess up. He just flat out messed up. The only people I'm giving $44 million to at the age of 36 is like LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe, and Kareem, maybe. Uh, but other than that, if you're not, the, I'm not giving you 44 mil at 36. Um, so that, that was his first move. Well, um, you know, part of that is LeBron, though, dude. LeBron yeah. is like basically the reason why that's allowed. Well, Chris Paul. Well, Chris Paul's the president of the. Yeah, well, I guess uh, so I guess it was Chris Paul and LeBron, so. dude. They're colluding, and this guy CP3 is like, man, I'm gonna hit my decline, but let's make sure I get <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, right now I would kind of label it as a bus for the reasons that you said, like. They were the team that was designed to beat the Warriors. Um, it just fell flat. I mean, Chris Paul, after having arguably the best season of his career, I mean, not statistic-wise, but, I mean, if you watch the way he played last year, he was he was different. Um, he was just flat-out different. So from going from that to the worst season by far of his career, that that's crazy. I mean, I know he was injured a lot and all that. Um, possibly could have rushed back, but, I mean, he's, he, hasn't, he doesn't have the healthiest track record um, in terms of health, so... Um, just a bad contract in general. So I say it's a bust right now. It's just because that that contract is nearly impossible to move. I mean, um, like I, I told you, or like I texted you earlier today, um, I could see the Lakers trying to make a move um, if they land AD and are able to sign like a Jimmy Butler, or acquire KD or whatever, or Kyrie or something like that, because they'll have the cap space to do it. And um, they'll have some sort of assets left over from the AD trade. I mean, like you said, you'll take, you're willing to take a second rounder for it. For I, it, so. I'm not, you know, the assets aren't going to come. The asset is going to be having all that cap space freed up. So, I mean, it's, 
yeah, we're not getting anything really for CP3, but that's okay as long as we can get rid of his contract. Yeah. So I mean, until that happens, I'm 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 putting this in the bus category. Um, I saw today. Um, I don't know why I never noticed this. I knew this. I knew the cap situation with the Rockets was bad, but uh, I just saw today the salary cap for next year is twenty is um 109 million. And James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clay Compella are going to be taking up $93 million of that cap space. So that leaves, what, $16 million to fill out the rest of your roster. Um, that's, that, that ain't it. That ain't it, Chief. Um, having, having two-thirds, or I guess two-thirds of a huge chunk of your cap being taken up by an old Chris Paul and Clay Capella, who no disrespect, is, a really Back good defender, but oh, he's pretty much just catching lobs on the offensive end. Yeah. So, I mean, having all that cap tied up in them is really bad. I mean, if I'm a Rockets fan, I, I wouldn't be opposed to moving both of them, honestly, if it meant getting rid of Chris Ball's contract. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a baller, so I'm not going to get too much more deep into <laughs> it. Um, so I'll move on to my big red bust. And again, I didn't... This one's kind of on the fence. It's honestly, it's more of an honorable mention than anything, but uh, NFL Players Association executives sent an email to every NFL agent that advised players to prep for at least a full year without work after the 2020 collective bargaining agreement ends. And I, basically what I've seen and seen around is a, a lockout is coming. The CBA is very disliked in the NFL, as we've seen with, I mean, just about every star that's about to hit free agency holds out if they don't get the deal they feel they deserve or even get the kind of respect they feel they deserve. And so a lockout is coming. I hope it's not a full season, a full year, uh, anything like that. But I, I definitely think we're going to see a lengthy discussion process as the NFL works on their new collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is definitely a bus baller kind of thing um definitely a bust for football fans everywhere um the threat of not having nfl football for a whole year is definitely uh kind of sickening um to not have anything to watch on sundays um even myself who i mean i'm not the biggest football fan not having it for a year not being able to see uh my raiders either kind of get my hopes up and just blow it or just flat out come out and stink um it's still it's still fun it's still semi-fun to watch i mean it provokes emotion. Um, whether that emotion is disappointment doesn't really matter. Uh, like Jimmy V said, if you if you laugh, love, smile, cry, whatever, whatever. I don't know the exact quote, um, but yeah, that's what football does to you. So I mean, it'd be tough <laughs> to see that to see that out for a year. Um, but I I put it this side, the baller side of the category is definitely the players. I mean, I'm all for players getting their back. Um, I love that the NBA is getting all these big contracts as unfortunate as it is in the cp3 situation that we just talked about <laughs> i'm never going to be opposed to somebody getting their bag like andrew wiggins i mean the, the problems with the timberwolves giving him that money not him for for signing the contract you know what i mean but um i'm all for players getting their bag especially in the nfl where obviously you have the shortest career span um the most health risks the most long-term health risks i mean it'd be nice to uh get con- con- constipated get comps- compensated uh <laughs> a little bit better yeah absolutely and i mean i i'm with you there 100 percent. as much as it pains you whenever your squad signs somebody to a con like an albatross of a contract 
you still got to respect that player getting their bag. And I mean, I, to the people out there that trash on people that struggle after signing big contracts, yeah, it sucks, especially when it's on your team. But at the same time, I mean, those dudes are they work to get there. And in the NFL, they're putting their lives and their quality of life mm-hmm. on the line every time they step out on the football field. And so, I mean, for a lot of these dudes, like at running backs in particular, to get the disrespect that they get in in the free agency market and things like that, it's it's disheartening because you can have dudes that'll have breakout years or two and they never get long-term, or I guess NFL long-term financial security because they can just be franchise tagged and basically they're, okay, we're going to one and done you until you either don't perform or we trade you basically. And so it's, right now the CBA is broken the fact that we had Le'Veon Bell sit out an entire season, one of the most talented running backs in the NFL, should prove that to you. It should be a wake-up call to NFL fans and even and owners in general. I mean, I know nobody wants to budge and they, everybody wants to hold their ground, but players in any sport need to be able to secure the bag and they need a fair shot to do it, especially in a sport as violent and dangerous as football. Yeah, and I mean, if, it, if you got to go... One year without the no without the no fun league. I mean, I'd say it's worth it for the players. I mean, they're human beings at the end of the day. Um, they have families and stuff to get home to and live a long, healthy life for. So I mean, it's it's always been ridiculous to me that the NFL doesn't have fully guaranteed contracts, being the the most dangerous sport, arguably long term. Um, it's I don't know. It's just something I really dislike. So I mean, I'm I'm standing with the players or uh, sitting, whatever they're doing uh, <laughs> after the 2020 season. I mean, I'm all for it. Absolutely, and I mean that might be something that you know maybe we'll pump out some more content on later on. I mean, all this a lot of stuff that we can dive into as we are recording again. And I mean, just look out for some good, more improved content, maybe even on some other platforms in the future here. Uh, but with that said. Thank you all for tuning in to the Big Red, the Big Red and an appearance after the hiatus. So, <laughs> Big Red signed off. Yeah, they, thank you guys for staying around. I mean, like like I mentioned earlier, we're both pretty busy guys, but I mean, we always love talking about sports and stuff and getting content out. So I mean, um, I guess with that being said, um, we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>